Welcome to Scandinavian Mind Weekly, our show about the current trends and events within business, tech, fashion, design, culture, and more from the Nordic perspective of our team of editors and contributors. Today on the program, we take a look at highlights from Milan Design Week. Also, Luxury 3.0, a new report from Heisnobiety and Boston Consulting Group. And finally, we look back at season three of the Scandinavian Mind podcast with a special quiz. Can't wait. I'm Conrad Olson, editor-in-chief and founder of Scandinavian Mind. And I'm here with the best gang, Roland Philippe Kletschmar and Eric Sedin. Welcome, guys. Bonjour. Bonjour, Roland. You know, you've been absent. I think you've been in Paris for about a month. That's why you <laughs> haven't been on the podcast. Is that right? Not really, but I, I've been in Paris for the past week, at least, enjoying 35 degrees of sun heat waves and a uh, lot of bread actually gluten and uh, butter mm, mm. <laughs> wonderful any any other highlight from i mean i use yeah you just said prior to the show there was a lot of powerpoint presentations but is there any uh, takeaway from the the streets of, of paris or the culture something happening something you read in le monde perhaps <clears throat> well i actually flew in on election day so um, that was a big topic on Sunday. But uh, no, honestly, I just enjoyed uh, people watching. Paris is, I would say, my favorite city, all categories. Mm. All right, let's let's take a look at what's going on. There's, uh, I feel like there's so much happening uh, right now. Uh, we are back in full swing since May with people are traveling, events are on. In Stockholm right now, we have uh, Brilliant Minds, big conference uh, going on. Um, um, uh, serious uh, FOMO from, from that one. I did not get an invite. Perhaps uh, you did, Roland. I don't know. You're sitting here we, with us, so I'm, I'm thinking no. We are, we are actually partners. I mean, my day job uh, company are partners to the event, but I'm not going. I have a busy schedule. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's going on. Also, um, uh, Pitti Womo, uh, uh, the f- f- men's fashion trade show, is in full swing in Florence right now. And we have a, uh, we will get back and, and report from that. But we also have a report online. I just want to plug that from our uh, editor large, Ilenia uh, Martini, our design uh, correspondent. She has been to uh, Milan at the uh, Fiori Salone and Sal- uh, Salon del Mobile, and anyone who wants to get you know get the highlights can go on uh, scandinavianmind.com and see uh, uh, what she, she has been observing. Lots of good stuff. From what I've known, I haven't spoken to Elena yet, uh, uh, but from what I've known from other people, it, it kind of lacked the the real highlight, the real sort of uh, breaking uh, exhibition, breaking brand. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it looked wonderful, and just to be there. Uh, obviously, usually it's in in April. Now it's in June, even more sunnier. Uh, beautiful exhibitions by uh, Dimori Milano. Uh, also, some Swedish uh, elements. The female all female collective Mischiefs, founded by Paula Bjeringer, had its first international exhibition uh, in collaboring collaboration with uh, the Milan-based curator. Fredricia Sala, uh, we write about that. Also, the um, Stockholm-based uh, Italian designer Luca Nicchetto um, had a wonderful uh, exhibition together with Parisian brand La Manufacture. 
just uh, lots of eye candy. Uh, also, a lot of sort of fashion-related uh, collaborations. Sune and Lueve. I also uh, heard good stuff from the Hermes um, exhibition down there. I don't. Know, I, I just enjoy that the design world is is, is back now. Um, I don't know what you guys say. Yes, I mean, I agree. I mean, it's full swing uh, on traveling and design and fashion. And it's just like people are craving for meeting physically, you know, chit-chatting, having fun together. So, yeah, I I agree with you. um, Let's see what the backlash will be after the summer. (laughs) Well, the backlash is obviously at the airports all across Europe because it seems to be chaos wherever you go. But I think that's for another show. We don't need to get into that. I feel like the aviation industry has a lot to to answer for uh, right now. Yeah. I mean, a quick anecdote. Uh, Saturday uh, of this past week, I sat at home reading all the articles about Orlando Airport and panicked and said, Mm. shit, I'm not going to make my... 7 a.m. flight on Sunday. So I actually went to the airport, found the last cheap hotel at the uh, hotel room, stayed Mm. at the airport Saturday to Sunday just to make the flight. Well, that's that's what you need to do. Uh, In other news, we are uh, rolling out the last few bits from our um, fashion tech special. Um, We have some stories out uh, this week about Vividi, the textile print that can be removed without damaging the quality of the fiber. Uh, Also, the uh, uh, very interesting research project that uh, helped explain how garments uh, could help people with deaf blindness communicate. Hmm. So we we dive into that. That's part of uh, Johan Magnusson's uh, fashion tech special. Yeah, we're looking forward to to unveiling that. I'm also really curious about the uh, Solan Danish fashion brand. I think they had their show in uh, Pitti yesterday. So uh, we'll definitely report from that. We have our man on the ground, Oliver uh, Dahle, uh, present at, at uh, Pitti Omo. So, so keep an eye out uh, for, for, for our reports uh, uh, from there. All right. Earlier this week, uh, Heisnobiety and Boston Consulting Group released their uh, latest report, Luxury 3.0. Roland, you've been reading up on this. And let's Mm -hmm. let's just highlight some takeaways from this report. Always a good read, uh, these reports. Yeah, so I'm going to do kind of a long intro to this uh, because I I think we need to give uh, the listeners a bit of a context. So yeah, please. Yeah, so Heisnobite and Boston Consulting Group have worked together for a couple of years now, kind of defining what they call the new luxury. And with this latest trend report, they they label this luxury 3.0, so basically reflecting, I would say, also the other kind of meta trends, uh, you know, Web3, etc. And uh, I, what, what particularly kind of um, caught my interest was this um, this notion of new community. So. You know, quoting here, the conventional model brand communities is outdated. Brands need a new framework in order to understand how to build thriving communities. We call this the new framework. We call this new framework the meta community. Meta communities are fluid, dynamic, and fragmented. Instead of speaking to a single archetype or demographic, it is an overlapping ecosystem of many different subgroups of fans, consumers, detractors, and commentators. Mm. And uh, what what is particularly interesting is how they have kind of defined this then in uh, you know they, they have basically identified in the traditional brand community model uh, six different uh, areas so you have the monolithic 
uh, brand community model, which is kind of you know made up of a single type of brand enthusiast. Uh, while in the dynamic meta-community brand model, <clears throat> this is made up of different uh, subgroups with different reasons for being part of this specific community. Then they identify the closed uh, brand community model, <clears throat> where it basically it exists for top customers and loyal fans to come together and load the brand, while in this new meta-community, it is open. So, you know, open for a wider group of customers, fans, and even detractors to collect, discuss, and trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they identify the linear versus the circular, where the circular is really where the brands listen, respond, and act, uh, instead of kind of having this top-down or bottom-up approach. They have celebrity, celeb- celebratory versus accountability. So basically, in the new model, the community shares their passion by holding their brands accountable, centralized versus decentralized. So uh, the meta community exists across brand owned and third party channels, as well as across platforms that brand may not necessarily have direct control over. So this is, you know, really where we see that the community kind of takes ownership over the brands, over the communication, etc. So for example, in, in a traditional social media channel, such as Instagram, uh, the brand would kind of control the flow of information while in a in a community or or forum for example on on discord you know the, it's it's very hard to kind of control a conversation and then the last point is kind of extractive versus generative so um extractive is basically brands take more from their communities than they give versus then generative brands give more to their meta community than they take so you know i i think this is a bit kind of theoretical uh, and maybe abstract for listeners. Uh, but listen, at the end of the day, I just think it's so interesting, the fluidity of these communities mm. and that it's becoming increasingly hard for, I, I wouldn't say only the luxury industry, but for brands in general to kind of interact with the communities and make themselves relevant. Um, it's It's a much more... How do you say? Um, yeah, it's a much more complex system to manage, basically. Mm. Well, so let's dive into this a little bit. I mean, you work, you, you have this as a J job to to take care of of the absolute brand. Uh, in many ways, uh, we are advising brands from from Scandinavian mindset as well. And I, I, you know, this is an enormous struggle. I, I think for. I think brands who consider themselves manufacturer of things like clothes, for instance. Mm. And I think for the longest time, brand it's been like design driven and like just kind of basic coolness. You have something that looks good. It kind of, you know, relates to who you are or your identity or so forth. But there's never been like this deeper meaning to it. Whereas, you know, what this report alludes to and, what any report that comes out the past few years is talking about this sort of need for cultural credibility uh, to to sort of make a mark in culture, what you know, whatever that means. But you know, being part of conversations, having your fans or your or your community or your consumers talk about your brand or talk about topics that relates to your brand, and I just feel that a lot of companies right now 
And I, I know some of them from kind of the inside. There are a lot of Scandinavian brands, for instance, Scandinavian fashion brands right now that are trying to reposition themselves. There, there's like new leadership in some of the, the classic uh, Swedish uh, you know, fashion brands. And th- I think this is the actual struggle uh, to how do you create the community where mm. kind of there wasn't one before? <laughs> uh, isn't that the question, Roland? Yeah, definitely. I mean, some brands... This is interesting. I mean, some brands are, let's take Balenciaga, for example. I mean, they are, mm. um, I would say, quite interesting because they they communicate in a totally different way than other uh, big luxury brands. They are quite, you know, let's say minimalistic in their communication. So basically what they do, they communicate through their actions. Exactly. And and I think that's the key here, right? Yes. So, then you become interesting because actually the content that you create or the, the, the products that you produce, that, that you manufacture or the campaigns that you launch are interesting enough for people to speak about. Um, and I think Balenciaga is a good example. Um, I think actually Gucci, even, I mean, they actually communicate more as a traditional company, mm. but still, I would say in, in the way they do their partnership, in the way they design their campaigns and, and their, their collaborations with with the talent, uh, et cetera. I mean, they are also part of this new wave of brands, which are kind of making themselves relevant through their content much more than anything else. And Mm -hmm. and I think then, I mean, it's all about relevancy, right? And I think what what the report also covers is this kind of um, cultural pioneers that, you know, in order for brands to be relevant and this this report is about luxury right but it's uh it, you, you have to be kind of a cultural pioneer or culturally relevant so that means basically that you you, you not only have to kind of define your position in culture but that you also have to reflect culture and and and, and world events around you and again balenciaga right. is, a, is a good example of a company in the luxury industry that ma- manages to do this in a way which is kind of both sparking controversy, uh, but uh, I would say more importantly, conversation. Yeah. I, th- I, I was actually in a discussion on this topic uh, with um, uh, uh, people in the industry the other day. I can't say more than that. But And, and, and just that Balenciaga <laughs> is such a good example because it's so easy for... Uh, in the traditional model, you kind of like you had a brand and then you made like a brand video or a campaign or something like a, a piece of content that's like this says who we are. Mm. And that's kind of the old model. And you can't do that anymore, partly because it, it will just get washed away in, in kind of the, the, the constant stream of content that happen, that's happening. But it's also like no one listens to whatever brand, you know, exactly what you're saying. No one listens to what a brand says. They're, they are observing what the brand does what mm. they do and i think balenciaga is a great example i've never read a mission statement from balenciaga from the past <laughs> years i've never i've never i don't know what their values are or i don't know what i mean, i'm sure there's a document somewhere defining this but this this is not something they communicate what they do is they do a collab with fortnite or they do like surprise everyone and do a brand like uh, collection launch with simpsons or they do all these uh, kind of uh, weird uh, product placements at you know Kim Kardashian or Kanye's mm. new girlfriend or the, these kind of sort of small events all the time, constantly being part of culture, uh, uh, collaborating with people who are 
part of culture, other, you know, defines culture in, in, in different ways. And I think this is the key. This is the shift for brands mm-hmm. to realize, like, we have to act. We have to do things. We have to create little projects that uh, perhaps doesn't have anything to do with the product that we're selling. But, it, you know, your actions define your, your kind of value on the market. And this is what consumers are uh, uh, resonating with. This is what they're reacting to. Uh, yeah, and I'm happy that you the... dropped Kanye. I mean, <laughs> we have to drop Kanye in every episode, right? Like, no, yeah, the ultimate, every, every ultimate example of this, right? <laughs> no, but uh, it's really interesting. I feel like this is the proper Brilliant Minds uh, conversation going on in this podcast. Yeah. I don't know why we didn't get the invite. But anyways, um, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> you, you, Roland, have you um, talked earlier this year about identity. Uh, mm-hmm. How about how you can have all these identities? So, of course, that's a big uh, challenge for brands to <laughs> understand their fan base or their consumer base. Like, who are you guys and who who are we selling to? Like you're talking mm. about. And also, like you said, Conrad, how about these uh, like people in the industry? I don't know what brands, but these Canadian brands, they have a hard time finding a community or finding a fan base or <laughs> consumer base because there is none. But if you look at some of the ones that you talked about, Roland, you know, they just do a, they, they do just, produce some kind of content without any any you know they don't really tell people what's cool and what's not and then the conversation just spreads like wildfire on for example uh, discord you know mm. and that's where the conversation gets going and that's it's for the it's up for the fans or i don't know if you can call them fans but the consumers or the prosumers to they kind of set the tone for the brand you know because if balenciaga if they're in fortnite and they're also on a simpsons character it's not very. It's not crystal clear what what they're about. So, the fans and the people wearing it and the people that might not even wear it, they're just fans of it. So, and they're gonna be in that mm. Discord channel. They will. They will set the tone. They will discuss mm. like crazy what what shoes were the nice ones. Not Vogue, because Vogue put there on the front cover. It's gonna be up to the people being fans of the brand. Mm. Yeah, and and I think. Um... What's particular also about the luxury industry is obviously the the, the kind of um, interconnection with streetwear, right? And that has happened in the in the last uh, five to ten years, which they also kind of pick up in this report. Obviously, it's I mean it's high snobiety uh, that is behind this report, but just again quoting here: luxury and streetwear brands that are able to use fashion as a means to engage with the different cultural interests beyond their core product are seen as more credible. The survey results around um, which brands are seen as having the most credible communities that echo this, whether it's brands like Nike that engages with sport mm. or Supreme with street culture, product with art, uh, by choosing to be patrons of a space they care about. Mm. These brands are seen as authentic players and vital in culture. And I think, again, the, exactly. uh, you know, it's, it's all about this authenticity and caring. I like that they the, the use the word caring. Mm. Um and again, this the, you know, it's 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 so evident now that you know a brand has to really care about the community to be credible, and uh, th- yeah, th- th- this is this is I would say based on this engagement with 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 the communities that that I, I kind of um, you know uh, cited earlier here about you know the meta communities that you know you you have to really work in close collaboration with the communities. Uh, to really prove that you are relevant, that you care about the community, that you are part of the, the community, that you're not um, kind of uh, 
um, you know, tr trying to buy yourselves into a community and that you also engage your community members in, in building building credibility right so i i think yeah it, it's um i think we are at a pivotal moment here where where luxury and 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 and, and maybe our other industries i mean they cite also uh, sports gaming and fitness as, as kind of yeah. the next verticals that will will move towards this um yeah we're at the pivotal i think moment. i mean i i i don't think this is uh, uh you know unique for the luxury industry I, maybe it starts there but i think this this will resonate mm -hmm. with the entire sort of consumer mm -hmm. uh, consumer industry um yeah uh, agree. But, and I'm, I'm curious about the sort of this 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 uh term meta community can we go into that a little bit more because this is the kind of the new term that they've coined in this report right mm. Um, there is a, there was an article at, at Women's Wear Daily that I'm looking at where um, yep. uh, uh, where they talk about how meta communities are fluid, dynamic, and fragmented, mm -hmm. which sounds uh, like a nightmare for a brand to talk Definitely. to uh, something that's fluid, dynamic, and fragmented. That that doesn't sound like anything that fits into an Excel sheet. Mm. These this is the target group. This is the core. I mean, you have this old traditional model of of having. These uh, standardized uh, versions, maybe like a, a uh, uh, you've you've seen this many times, Roland, where you like create like Linda twenty three. She lives in a city. This this is our group. <laughs> She's the one we're that talking to. Yeah. If if it's if it's <laughs> if it's fluid, dynamic, and fragmented, it's nothing of the kind, right? Yeah, but this is. Um... I mean, I, I cannot go into details of my day job too much here, uh, no. but uh, I mean, this is obviously a challenge for a, a, any brand. But uh, again, coming back to kind of relevance, make I mean, why do you exist as a brand? You know, why do you care about a specific community? Uh, what I mean, what do you believe in? All these elements are going to be so critical since they're, the, the, I mean, as you say, the, these kind of... Um, there is no single archetype or demographic, right? As, as they also state in the report. Uh, if, you, if you have to communicate with different, you know, fan groups, different consumer types, hmm. detractors, commentators, uh, you can't fit your brand to everyone, right? I mean, you, you, I mean, technically speaking, you can because you can obviously adjust every brand communication to every type of consumer, especially in the digital space that is technically possible, right? So basically you can communicate, uh, you know, endless uh, variations of a brand message depending on who you target, mm. right? But that obviously then builds a very fragmented brand experience. So as a brand, you don't want to do that. So what do you, I mean, how can you then, I mean, what, what's the solution? I would say again, you know, bringing up Balenciaga as an example. I mean, just stay true to your brand and communicate that endlessly, tirelessly everywhere. Uh, that does not fit all the, the the type of brands. I mean, if you're in the FMCG space, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's a bit more complicated. Fast I think that's moving the advantage consumer of luxury. brands. Yeah, sorry, what? It stands for fast moving consumer brands, right? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. No, so I think that's in its, in a way it's easier for luxury brands because you know, Hermes, they're the same for 150 years. You know, mm. they're not going to change. You know, they just stay true to brand. Mm. Uh, in 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 the in the consumer sector, the consumer goods sector is much more complicated. Um, 
Yeah, but I will I add uh, one yeah. one thing, uh, and it relates to another news uh, that came out this week also, and in in that Heisnobite itself, kind of a meta news here, Heisnobite itself is being bought by Salando, the enormous uh, fashion mm. retailer. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, we see this at Scandinavian Mind as well, that the basically in order to execute on this, in order to communicate with, with a meta community that's fluid, dynamic, and fragmented, you need a lot of content. So you need to be communicating all the time on many different channels. And this is part of, of kind of the, the the commercial agency arm of what we do at Scandinavian Mind. We help brands with sort of content strategies and help build these sort of uh, uh, content structures enabled to, to, be, to be able to do this. And I think this is a shift as well. And it, this is something that's really good for our business is that brands realize that they need to be kind of content first and and you know we have an editorial approach to how we how we go about doing things mm-hmm. and i'm not surprised then uh, based on this that you know salando uh, which has no real commercial need to own a media entity but i think they have a lot of cultural uh, mm-hmm. uh sort of uh, value to be gained by owning heisnobite it's super interesting deal uh, that, mm-hmm. that was announced earlier as well Oh, I definitely agree. And uh, listen, I think uh, at the end of the day, you have to be confident enough as a brand to let the conversation loose. Mm. Right. I, so, I mean, th- that, that's the point here. So if you have the, all these, I mean, endless communities and forums and platforms and channels and, you know, you can't control the conversation, but mm. you have to have a product or stand for something that um, that you're confident enough to let loose. So, you know, and, and stick to that. Mm. Let good. it loose. This is food for thought for any brand owner or, or brand representative. I think maybe uh, for the summer, uh, just download this report from Boston Consulting Group and Heist Nobody and try to figure it out. We'll continue to uh, uh, cover this topic uh, in... in um this this forum and and online uh, thank you roland for for bringing this up okay so this is actually the last show of season three of the scandinavian mind podcast uh, we will take a short uh, break now for the summer holidays and we'll, we'll be back in august and now we're going to move into something that i'm super nervous about eric uh, <laughs> take it away so yeah, we've had a great time recording this, but I just wanted to make sure that you guys have been listening and paying attention. <laughs> so I've done a little quiz. It's a short, short fire quiz, five questions about our season three. So going back the like, uh, I don't know, 20 episodes or whatever it's been, I've taken out five questions. That's you what you've been now. doing the last week, listening to all the 20 episodes. No wonder you're not replying to my emails. And I've been away for a month. I mean, uh, <laughs> you have a good head start, Conrad. Hold on, I can uh, see you sweating right now. Yep. Uh, but anyways, and also for the listeners, if you, after the quiz is done, you realize that you got more points than Conrad and Roland, shoot us an email or DM us and we'll make sure to give you some kind of prize. And you're also part of this. But it's I heard a hard rumor place, that right. uh, even the readers can get free lunch with the editor-in-chief. Is that true? Yeah, we can agree on that right now. Let's agree on that right now. Uh, <laughs> lunch with Conrad Olson. So I win no matter what. I get to have a nice lunch in central Stockholm. Okay. So I'm competing against myself, basically. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and you're proud. Okay. All right, let's see. 
<clears throat> okay, question one. For our second ever episode uh, of Scandinavian Mind Weekly, Conrad and I had just returned from Dubai. So this first question is for you, Roland. During Expo 2020 in, in Dubai, we both were really, really disappointed with a pavilion there from a specific country. Do you remember what country it was? Denmark. Denmark, one point for Roland. And now for Conrad, it's, it's the same episode. Roland mentioned something. Um, he mentioned a possible game-changing moment for cryptocurrencies when the US allowed a kind of fund. What was the fund called, abbreviated in three letters? I have no idea. Pass! <laughs> I should know this. Maybe. Do you know, Roland? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Is it ICO? No, it's an ETF. Okay. I googled it like uh, I had a whole week of googling. I still don't understand what it is, but anyways, <laughs> we had it. So question number two. Uh, this is from November last year. Swedish pop star Sara Larsson had a huge success with a virtual concert. Uh, but on what platform? And before you guys answer now, I need Conrad to first write your answer in the chat here. So Roland can't uh, just copy you if you know it. Okay, we have the uh, the first answer. And Roland, do you want to give your answer? No, Fortnite. Okay, so Roland put Fortnite and uh, Conrad took Roblox. And Roblox oh, is yeah, the correct fuck, answer. Oh yeah, it was Roblox. So 1-1. One, one. <laughs> I remember now. <laughs> yes, of course. Well, it was like plus th 3 million uh, viewers, yeah. right? She made crazy amounts of money. I think yeah, she made... Yeah, 4 million seek in sales or something. I yeah. yeah. All right. So that was pre-crypto the... crash. <laughs> yeah, that, those were the times. Yeah. Uh, in 2021. Good times. <laughs> Pre-crypto crash. I actually read the other day that uh, NFTs are expected to outsell 2021 in 2022, even though we have this uh, sort of crash in, in, in uh, the market right now. We're still going to yeah, sell a, more NFTs. It's not a crash. It's a correction. But it's okay, a correction. Never mind. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> okay, question number three. Um, I was very excited in December last year to announce that Yusuf Fares and his gaming studio had won Game of the Year. So this is a two-part question. Do you remember the name of his studio? And do you remember the name of the game that won Game of the Year last year? So Roland, it's now your turn to put your, your answer in the chat. And then... Okay, I have no down. idea, but I'm just gonna... So this could be this could be two two points. Deux points. Okay, and the name <laughs> of the game, do you want to give it a, a try? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, Connor, do you want to give it a shout? I never remember names. This is I'm like the worst uh, cont uh, contestant in this uh, quiz. <laughs> That's why you're a journalist. You can always Google and fact check stuff. That's <laughs> exactly. part of you, People think yeah, exactly. I know a bunch of stuff because no, I'm a no, journalist, no, no. but you don't. No, you just no. you look it up, right? Uh, but anyways, the answer was uh, Haze Light Studio. Mm. And the game was It Takes Two. Because if you remember, for the listeners also, you had to be two people to play it. It mm -hmm. takes two. So game of the year. Okay. And in uh, his congratulations. Uh, in his uh, award speech, he said, <laughs> "Fuck Hollywood," and the yeah. crowd went roaring. Yeah, forty million sick into his bank account. <laughs> yeah. yeah, congratulations. Yeah. I think you have forty million reasons to remember that name. Uh, anyways, question number four. Uh, now we're in 2022. Uh, in January, I had interviewed a Chinese car company that had launched in Norway. Their biggest selling point was the battery changing stations, rather than just charging the battery, if you remember. Mm. What was the car brand's name? 
Was it MG? No. Neo? No. Neo, it is. One for two, oh. one, two, one. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question number five. Last question. So, could be a tie here if uh, Connor doesn't step up. Uh, I had a segment on virtual influencers way back. And uh, I shared a segment on a duo that I really had been infatuated with. And they had collaborated with Gucci and they had their own NFT collection with uh, Christie's. What were their names? Again, names. That's like the yeah. worst thing to ask me. I can explain a theory or... <laughs> <laughs> God, I have no idea. <laughs> it's so weird. My instinct to Google all these names is like, like frustrating <laughs> know, in my fingers right now. That's how you do it all day long. You just Google names all the time, right? Yeah, exactly. Journalistic instinct. Okay, so no pass from both of you guys? Yeah. They were Janky and Googiemon. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, that's the end of the quiz. So, 2-1 uh, for Roland. But uh, listen, I, I enjoyed it so much, but it's the worst Ooh, competition ever. It's the worst competition ever because I was the I was competing against myself, right? <laughs> if the if the prize is lunch with Conrad, I mean, that's like, okay. But listen, I have I have an idea. So great, I want to lunch with you, Conrad. That's great. Uh, but I have an idea. What if a listener emails us uh, and ha can have lunch with all of the three of us? In yeah, August? I love that the idea of that. That's wonderful. Let's kick it, kick it off in August. So send in your what? How, how did they do it? They send in the their answers. They can't do that. We just no. The they just say this. Just just have to motivate why <laughs> why they want to eat lunch with us. Yes. Yeah. So send us a motivation uh, and have lunch with uh, the the it's kind of remind podcast team. Uh, this this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Eric, for putting putting together that that little quiz. Uh, you know, we, we talked about just before we started recording how we how much we enjoy doing this uh, show. And you know, I remember back in uh, was it October when you and I Roland sat at one of these lunches that we do have uh, and talked about doing a weekly show like this. And and I can't you know thank you guys enough for for uh, keeping up and doing this in your busy schedules. Uh, I will say, um, just plug the latest episode of the Const podcast. Uh, it mm. was out earlier this week. Roland, maybe just say a couple of words from that. One of the I think one. maybe your best one, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I have to give credit to my guest. Uh, so uh, basically, the person behind the art meme, Jerry Gogosian. Uh, so if you're into art, if you're into memes, um, you would have heard of Jerry Gogosian. She crawls under the skin of the art industry. Mm. Uh, and uh, the person behind Hilda is a fantastic uh, and interesting person. So yeah, discover kind of the insights of the art industry through the latest episode of Const. Great show. And uh, as I said, we'll, we'll take a short break on the weekly podcast uh, during the summer. We will, however, uh, publish outtakes from the Transformation Conference in Helsinki a couple of weeks ago. We already started this week with my interview with uh, the author Alec Leach. And uh, during the summer, we will publish uh, uh, you know, panels and, and talks uh, leading up to the second edition of the Transformation Conference coming to Stockholm on August 25. So make sure to follow our uh, newsletter to get invites to that event. Visit scandinaviamind.com slash newsletter uh, and also get updates on these uh, podcasts. Uh, you know, Eric uh, will 
continue working with each other. We're not really summer yet, but Roland, uh, hope to see you in the archipelago in a nice setting. Uh, but this has been great. The Scandinavian Mind Weekly uh, Season 3 will be back in August. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. See Enjoy you. the summer.